we're all on a journey to some version of our summit. It's inviting new people, experiences, and emotions into our lives. The rest will follow, and it could be really, really good. And accept change, and who knows what can enter in your life. It could be really, really fantastic, like Everest. Welcome to the Ultimate Guide to Partnering. In this podcast, Vince Mincione, a proven industry sales and partner executive, brings together technology leaders to discuss transformational trends and to deconstruct successful strategies to thrive and survive in the rapid age of cloud transformation. And now your host, Vince Mincione. Welcome to, or welcome back to the Ultimate Guide to Partnering where technology leaders come to optimize results through successful partnering. I'm Vince Menzion, your host, and my mission is to help leaders like you unlock the leadership principles and learnings of the best in the business to get partnerships right, optimize for success, and deliver your greatest results. Summiting Mount Everest and leading partner ecosystems to achieve your greatest results. My next guest on Ultimate Guide to Partnering is no stranger to these two topics. Louise McAvoy is a leader in the channel and ecosystems business for Trend Micro. She is an amazing woman leader in this world of partnering and an amazing mountaineer having climbed Mount Everest. In this episode, Louise takes us on a journey to how her avocation impacted and informed her vocation and how the two are inextricably linked during this time of rapid transformation. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed welcoming Louise McAvoy. Before we dive into the interview, I'm happy to announce that PartnerTap has become a founding sponsor of Ultimate Guide to Partnering. PartnerTap is the only partner ecosystem platform designed for the enterprise. Their technology makes it easy to align channel teams with automated account mapping, letting you control what data you share while building a partner revenue engine. Louise, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Vince. It's an honor to be here. I say that genuinely from the heart. Thank you for having me. Oh, you warm my heart today. I am so excited to welcome you as a guest on Ultimate Guide to Partnering. You are a leader in the channel and ecosystems business at Trend Micro driving the change and transformation we've all been seeing, a woman leader in this world of partnering, and an amazing mountaineer having climbed Mount Everest, wow, and many other amazing summits. So I'm excited for this conversation today. Thank you, Mintz. I appreciate that. We were introduced through three amazing friends, Aaron Feiger, who I have partnered with for over eight years and is part of what I'm calling the partner dream team founder of CORE and someone you've worked with over the years. And a a personal friend of mine now. And a personal one. We're going to talk about that a little bit too. Sanjay Mehta, who has been here on the podcast as well from Tackle.io, amazing company, great leader. And an old colleague of mine, Stephen Boyle, who I worked with at Microsoft. Yeah. Another great leader. Yeah. It's amazing that we have all these friends in common. But for our listeners, I would like you to tell us a little bit more about Louise. Louise McAvoy, and I'm the Vice President of U.S. Channels at Trend Micro. And for those of you who don't know, Trend Micro has been in the cybersecurity business for over 30 years now. I've been with Trend Micro for seven years, so I'm leading their U.S. channel business. We lead with our partners. It's a 
partner-friendly company. I'm really proud to be here, proud to be a trender. I was previously at IBM in their security and data management business and some other security companies. I live in Southern California. I actually moved here from Canada 20 years ago, but I can't move back because the weather is too good in Southern California. Yeah, so I've been in the channel majority of my career. I see my brand as channel security and then, of course, climbing. And it's always fun to talk about business and climbing in one conversation. So thank you. Yeah, good weather. I had a laugh about that because I live here in Jupiter, Florida. Most of the year it's good here, but you have amazing weather in SoCal. We do. I must, yeah, I do enjoy it. So you have had a very successful career and I want to dive into the business and business transformation and partnering here, but we've got to cover off on your amazing journey and several other personal accomplishments like climbing Mount Everest. Like that is absolutely amazing to me. And you recently came back from Antarctica. So let's start there. Antarctica is a, it's a fascinating place to be. It is, I climbed what's called Vincent Massif. And Vincent Massif is the highest mountain on the continent of Antarctica. And mountaineering is becoming a whole lot more popular now because of movies like 14 Peaks or that documentary, which was, it's an incredible feat to be able to climb 14 Peaks, those mountains over 8,000 meters. But one of the other things that's very popular or becoming more popular in mountaineering is what's called the Seven Summits, and that's climbing the highest mountain on every continent. And I set off on this journey many, many, many years ago when I climbed Kilimanjaro in Africa and then went on to climb Elbrus in Russia, and it just sort of became a thing. And Antarctica was next on my list, and I was able to successfully summit Vincent Massif in Antarctica in January. That was a proud moment. But Everest? being the highest mountain in Asia at just over 29,000 feet was, of course, one of the seven summits as well. And I was able to summit Mount Everest four years ago, which was, it just, it was one of the best moments of my life, to be honest. So let's talk a little bit more about that. And that's quite an accomplishment. What drove you to this objective? And what was that journey like? I didn't set out to climb Everest. And I do speak at a lot of events about these climbs, which I'm really grateful for that people want to hear more about it. But my foray into mountaineering happened really slowly and without me realizing it. And I always say to people to try something new because you never know when it might change your life. And that was the case with me. I mentioned at the start, I moved here to California from Canada. I was given a two-year opportunity for a job that was in Canada, moved to the California. I took it, but I didn't know anyone here and I had nothing to do after work or on the weekends. And I always say it was the loneliest year of my life because everything I did was by myself. But it was also the most liberating because I could do whatever I wanted. But it was lonely. So a friend of mine suggested I read a book just to keep busy. And it was called Into Thin Air about the 1996 Everest disaster. As tragic as that disaster was, it gave me this interest in mountaineering that something I didn't even know existed. And I became, I would have to say, a little bit obsessed with. And I made a promise to myself that I would someday see the mountain. I had no ambition to climb it because I thought that was way out of my league, but I wanted to see it. And four years later, I was in a different job and I got laid off. I literally had nowhere to go the next day and they gave me a severance package. So I went online that night. I found an adventure company that was leaving from Nepal 
to go to Everest Base Camp and was leaving in two weeks. There were 16 spots of clients who were they were taking. 15 people had already signed up to this trip. There was one spot left. It called my name and I signed up. And two weeks later, I landed in Nepal and I had no idea what I set myself up for. But I made the trek to Everest Base Camp. And when I saw Everest for the first time in my life, I saw her beauty. I knew I had to be on that mountain. And I had already fulfilled one promise to myself of seeing the mountain. So I made a second promise. And that would be to someday climb the mountain. And so I spent the next 14 years climbing around the world, climbing the highest mountains in the world. And I took mountaineering courses, wilderness first aid, crevasse rescue. I did everything I could to prepare myself for the mountain. And I knew I had one shot and I spent many years preparing for it. So if I look back on that journey to the summit, it was filled with people, experiences, and emotions, and not all good, that I had to experience in order to get to that summit. I do believe that we're all on this life journey. I do uh, think that this applies to us. There are many lessons that I learned from those mountains. And sometimes we have to go through bad things and different experiences and emotions. But the biggest thing that I got out of it was get out of my comfort zone and to change my mindset. And I think once we do that, we all have this journey ahead of us and it helps us get to our version of our summit. You read a book about a tragic event at Mount Everest, right? The last thing I want to do is go climb Mount Everest after that or even see the mountain. Why did you want to go see it first? Was just curiosity at that point? I didn't know it really existed as a climbing option and just the way it was described. And I was it was one book that got me interested. And then I read multiple, multiple books after because I was, I was bored. <laughs> I was living by myself in a place I didn't know and didn't have any friends. So I just took up reading. And the more I read about the mountain, the more I realized it's a beautiful place, a beautiful, it's beautiful people. It's the Himalayas are supposedly stunning. And I just wanted to see it for myself. Again, no plans to climb the mountain, just see it. But once I saw it, I realized it's something I really want to do. And then a 14 year commitment after that. So there had to be something that drove that. Was it the community? You got interested in mountain climbing? And there was a community around that as well, an association, or what created this flywheel to get you to climb Mount Everest? It's a whole lot of things. You meet really interesting people and people who I wouldn't normally interact with or intersect with in my everyday life. It got me out of my comfort zone. It's dangerous. I was on the edge a little bit that way. I like the danger. I like the learning. There's so much, like you have to learn about weather patterns and what is that particular snow that day is different from the snow yesterday. So you have to know that for the crevasse risk. You have to know that it gets pretty technical, how to do your knots and the belays and the ascenders. There's just so much to learn and so much to know. I was just fascinated by all of it. And then you get to go to these really interesting countries like Nepal and Tanzania and Argentina and Ecuador, and I've climbed in Switzerland and France and Russia and Morocco, all these places all over the world. And and it's just, it's an added bonus that you get to experience cultures that you wouldn't have otherwise. And you know, I would never have gone to Antarctica if it wasn't for a mountain on Antarctica that I wanted to climb. I just feel very privileged that my interests exposed me to things that I wouldn't have otherwise if I had chosen a different, I don't know, sport, for example. 
In parallel, you're pursuing a career. How has your avocation impacted your vocation? And are these two inextricably linked? So summoning Mount Everest has opened doors that I never imagined in my business life. As you can imagine, there are a lot of metaphors to mountains and summits in relation to business. I've been asked to speak more than 70 times now in five different countries on my life lessons learned from the mountain and how I apply them to everyday life. I was the 493rd female in the world to summit Everest at that time in May 2018. And I've been asked by many women's groups and within cybersecurity and within female channel groups to speak about motivation, inspiration, and doing something in a male-dominated environment. I also know that if you want to accomplish something big, it takes a lot of effort and that can be tough, but I know that changing your mindset, it's doable and anyone can, can accomplish hard things like the channel transformation, right? Everest taught me that. I think we all have the ability to do really hard things. We just have to, as I mentioned earlier, we have to get out of our comfort zone, accept change. And so that switched on or changed your mindset. Oh, yeah. We talk about mindset here quite a bit on Ultimate Guide to Partnering. We talk about fixed mindset versus growth mindset. And I use that term quite a bit coming out of Microsoft and the Satya days. And I believe it also impacts partnerships because organizations either have a fixed mindset to partnership or a growth forward, infinite mindset towards partnering. So Louise, what has been the biggest impact to how you've approached business and partner leadership? Being open to change. I think we're in a major transformation right now in all parts of the business. It's not only in channel, but it's in sales, marketing, operations, even HR and how we hire and the great resignation or reshuffle, all everything's changing. And in my business, cybersecurity was accelerated with lockdown, which really changed how we work with partners. Customers had to quickly adopt the cloud and marketplaces, which also changed how the channel operates. So if we just remained in one place, we wouldn't be able to grow and adapt. And I firmly believe change is a good thing and being flexible makes things easier. And I think we have to be flexible when we're in this massive transformation. It's a good thing, but we have to be flexible. So does Louise have a superpower? (laughs) Superpower. I asked the same question of everyone on my channel team. We were doing a, a Zoom exercise one day, and it was interesting to see that some people's superpowers are viewed as someone else's kryptonite because we all see things different. And I would have to say my superpower is I really like taking risks. I really enjoy challenges and I also embrace change. And so if I tie that back to the business right now, I feel personally, I'm in a really good and exciting place with this channel transformation. I think it's much needed. And I keep saying that, I keep saying this, the change is needed and let's embrace it. I think there's only good things from here. But I also feel like I'm in my sweet spot because there's, it's risk, it's change, it's challenge. I think that I love that. That's my superpower. Yeah, I love that as well, by the way. I get bored of being in a steady state with business. I love transformation. And boy, are we in an interesting time right now. We are. And it's much needed. I've been in the channel for a pretty long time and embracing this. I love what's ahead. And it's unknown, but that's awesome, right? Absolutely. 
And we're going to dive more in on the business, but I do want to ask you one other thing here because you mentioned something about liking to push to the edges, I think is the way you described it. And it reminded me of Dr. Michael Gervais, who's been a guest here on the podcast actually twice now. He's a high performance coach. He's worked with Satya Nadella's leadership team, and he's worked with Olympic athletes, leaders from all walks of life. And we discuss, and he has espoused having a personal philosophy and part of his help, he helps organizations and people frame around mindfulness and purpose. Do you have a strong personal philosophy? I am a big believer in being your best self. When it comes to being your best self, I think it starts from the inside out, best nutrition, exercise, stress management, being a good person, good heart. I think if we take care of ourselves first, we can be better for our families, our friends, for our work colleagues. With most things I do, I ask myself, is this the right thing for me and the bigger environment? I work out five to six days a week, but I go to sleep each night doing meditation. I want to rest, work my body, but also rest my soul. I encourage everyone to be good to themselves. Try to find that peace and that happiness within yourself. And I can't say that I get to that space every day, but my personal philosophy is to make an effort to be my best self. Make an effort to be your best self. I love that. What does that look like? What's the mindfulness practice look like? What does the meditation look like? Well, that's only because my mind is going 24-7. I'm constantly writing little notes to myself and figuring out the next thing. And I, I think my mind is as active as my body. So it's forcing myself to just be, to sit still and let that muscle, my brain just calm down. Otherwise, it, you can't be on 24-7. It's not fair to yourself. And so that meditation really is just to be still and be grateful, be mindful. And so I, I do that every night before going to bed, just have a short meditation. I love it. And is, is there a mantra that comes along with that? I am not good at meditation is why I'm asking. And I want to learn better how to do this better. So I do have a mantra and it's some, it changes sometimes depending on what's going on, but it really is how can I be the best going forward? What does that look like? What did today look like? What can I change? What can I do better? Or sometimes I did the best I could. And sometimes you have to take the pressure. I put a lot of pressure on myself and that can be a lot of pressure. So it's taking that pressure off and just being at ease. I'm going to have to practice that tonight. I'm so excited to welcome Athletic Greens as the latest sponsor to Ultimate Guide to Partnering. Friends who know me well know I've made taking a green drink supplement part of my health ritual for over 20 years now, and it has made all the difference to my health and well-being. About five years ago, I added Athletic Greens, and now their product AG1 has become my go-to green drink supplement. I take this literally every single day. AG1 is packed with 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and aptogens. It literally has replaced every vitamin in my cabinet. I take it at the start of the day and often have a second serving on days when I really need it. If you'd like to give AG1 a try, Athletic Greens is giving away a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five travel packs 
with every new purchase. Check them out at athleticgreens.com forward slash Vince M. So let's dive in on business and partnerships and this transformation we have all been seeing. I've been calling this the rapid age of change and transformation for several years now. We went through COVID and now we're on a little bit of a financial roller coaster with the markets and uncertainty in the world. As we focus on this partnering, I mean, we're the ultimate guide to partnering. And the one thing I ask all of my guests, in fact, is what can we do better? Like when partnerships fail, what is the kryptonite? You've worked across the hyperscalers and partner with some of the biggest and best channel partners. What attributes do you see in both the best business partnerships? And when partnerships fail, what is the kryptonite? So I think the ability to dive deep and not try to be all things to all industries, all customers, all analysts, all ecosystems. I really like it when a partner picks what they're good at and they're really, really good at that. I think the world is big and there are so many new things coming into the market. It's hard not to get caught up in all the noise. But is it really the right thing to be focused on? Should you be a generalist or a strategist or a specialist? And in Trend Micro's partner program, we have thousands of partners, primarily resellers who do similar functions. But the partners who really stand out to me are the ones who invest in a certain aspect of the business, the ones who are able to adapt to change quickly. We're in a transformation those who have a specialty that no one else has. So I know I can call on them for that one thing. And the ones who have a voice and are not just another partner who shows up at renewal time. And I would really suggest to partners, get out there and build an actual partnership with your vendor. Commit to knowing their business, get enabled, be a voice for them and to them. Show up, bring your value, not just be another partner out of the thousands who might close three or four deals a year. Commit to really, really growing together. That's what I want to see out of my best partners. And I think when you do that in turn, that vendor, like the ISV, like a trend micro, invests in you even more because there's this, there's shared commitment. And that's what I really enjoy about the partnering. And yeah, we've got a lot who will show up just a couple of times a year, but the ones who really strategically want to work together, those are the ones that are, that, those are the superpowers, I think. I coach organizations on what's the one thing that you do better differently that differentiates yourself from all the others in this being a shiny quarter, in fact, in a bucket of shiny quarters is the way I refer to it. Show up different. Give me your value proposition. Now we've got something to work towards. But if you're just a generalist amongst the thousands, it's hard, right? Hard to build something that's of value. I find also too, you talk to some of these organizations, especially some of the services partners, and they have this big list of capabilities. Oh, it's a menu. What don't you do as an organization? And I just coached one organization and I said to them, wait a second, you've developed a security solution for utilities and utilities are on attack right now. A lot of bad actors out there and they want to shut down the power grids. You should focus in on this one area. And they're like, yeah, let's go do that. See, that's music to my ears, Vince. Yes, it's exactly what I hear, want to hear from partners. I have the specialty. It resides here. I'm not trying to be all things to all people, but bring me into where the business is right here and my strength will shine. That's absolutely perfect when it comes to partnerships. So let's dig in more on this transformation we've all been seeing. And I had a conversation about this earlier. 
trend is going through a transformation. Almost all the ISVs moving from, especially the ones that have been around for a while, had a traditional model and everything has moved to cloud. Sassify and cloud across everything. What steps are you and Trend doing to pivot the business during this time? Well, we're doing a lot, but if I can focus on the channel specifically right now, I'll tell you the, I'm going to give away my secret sauce maybe, but I'm taking steps that are based on a business book. And it's where I'll read all kinds of books and try to get new and fresh ideas. And this one is, it's a book called The Blue Ocean Strategy. And the strategy is about going after a market where your competitors aren't. Let them fish, air quotes, for existing customers in an existing space using an existing strategy. What I'm looking for is going after that market that's untapped. You just said it, right? That services partner in a utilities vertical. Wow, that's new. That's exciting. That's untapped. It's not generous. I want to create my own space, find new customers where we haven't fished before. Again, using air quotes in reference to the blue ocean. So that means we're looking at partners who we necessarily didn't consider as a partner before and working with partners in different ways. And that can include how we build them. Maybe it's not an on-prem license model that's paid by a PO, but maybe it's a pay-go model paid by a credit card. It's different, right? And different is good and specializing good. I think the cybersecurity space is big enough for everyone, but if customers don't realize that they need to protect their data, they really, really do. Their data is worth something to cyber criminals. I want this data protected, which is in a big way, a problem that we should all be mindful of because it's our data out there. With any interaction we have with a a company that requires our credit card, our name, our birth date, if it's hotels, doctors, schools, our data is out there. It needs to be secure. It's a problem we should all have a voice for. So I think cybersecurity is big. There's a place for everyone. And as it relates to the partnering, I'm looking for those partners who are creating that untapped market, who are looking after those part customers we haven't seen before. And creating this blue ocean. Hopefully that makes sense. So how are you applying this blue ocean strategy to your ecosystem then? Are you asking them all to go fish and find blue oceans to go after? It's a balance. So we still need our traditional resellers. We still need this channel moving forward in the way that it always has, but we're looking at other ways of partnering. Like we're seeing customers who are becoming partners and partners becoming customers, we're seeing new entities out there that we never would have thought of as a partner because we knew them in a different way. But a lot of these companies are transforming themselves and we happen to be open to new experiences and new change. And so I'm looking at businesses in different ways. How can they be a partner? Oh, there's a downstream motion here and that could be a partnership. Some of us have been talking about this ecosystem strategy and Jay McBain, who's been a guest here just recently, was back on the podcast. We've talked about ecosystems and it reminded me of this conversation about the five seats at the table, right? There are several people influencing the CIO or whoever the decision maker is in the process. And they may not be the traditional reseller. They may be other players. They may be complementary organizations or other people that the that are trusted within the community. And I, I think what you're saying here is we need to have those relationships as well. Yeah, I think we have to build a community around us. And it might be co-opetition too. Sometimes it's the competitors who you can build this bond with because you're still going after the bad threat actors. And how do you work together in ways that are different? And it bends my brain sometimes. It's a real business development mindset. I think it's fascinating. There's a lot that can be done. 
So I want to dive in on the fact that you are a woman partner leader. I have been a strong advocate and ally in the women in the cloud and women in tech world. Was there anything that fueled your success or were there any barriers you needed to overcome? I haven't experienced a whole lot of barriers or maybe it's because I failed to notice them. But on the flip side, it also doesn't bother me to be the only female in a meeting or on a speaker's panel. In fact, I say bring it on. I love that. And I find that if the people who supported me the most were the senior executives at Trend Micro, who were at the time were all men, like you brought up Sanjay Mehta. He used to be my boss at Trend Micro. He supported me and I'm grateful for all that the Trend Micro Senior Executive Team has done. Saw my potential, supported my growth. I feel very fortunate, to be honest. As for fueling my success, if I can, I'm going to remain humble here and don't see the title as a success, but it's a culmination of hard work, effort. I've been in the put many years of experience in the channel. One thing about me, though, is I don't allow myself excuses. And that part goes back to the meditation at the end of the day. I give it all every day. If I have an off day, which we all have, I give more the next day. I don't give myself excuses. And that actually came in very handy when I was climbing or training for Mount Everest because the training involved a lot of effort and I was tired and it was stressful trying to run a full-time job and travel the same time. But I made myself a promise. I'm not going, if I don't summit Everest, it's not because I'm not fit. So I went all in and I just didn't give myself an excuse and it paid off and I'm grateful for it. That metaphor of no compromise is very strong and it resonates in the way you discuss or describe yourself. Thank you. I also know that Sanjay is a huge ally We both participate in the Women in the Cloud movement, and I know that you were very fortunate, I believe, to have leaders like that who lifted you up. Yeah, can I tell you a funny story? So when I went to the Trend Micro team, senior executive team, including Sanjay, I said, hey, I'm kind of obsessed with Everest, right? Yep, yep. Well, I need two months off work in order to summit Everest without hesitation. Yes, of course. And I said, no, no, I didn't say two weeks. I need two full months. And you know what the response was? And I remember Sanjay telling me this directly. He goes, yes, just come back alive. And I will always be grateful for that. It wasn't, yes, but you have to get this done. You have to do this. You have to make sure someone has a backup, blah, blah, blah. blah. It wasn't any of that. It's just come back alive, not summit, just come back alive. I was, I will forever be grateful for that, for not having the pressure of, I must accomplish massive amounts of things before I leave. Cause I already had a lot to do. It was just, yes, we support you. I would, I'll never forget that. And you're going to be doing something with our good friend, Aaron Feiger around mountaineering in the near future. Is that right? Yes. So another funny story. Aaron texted me one day and we didn't know each other super well. And she said, no, I would like to go hiking with you. And I said, sure, let's do a 14er. In my world, a 14er, everybody knows what a 14er is. It just happens. I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I didn't know that she didn't know. And it was a mountain over 14,000 feet. And there were a number of them in the US. And she in the background, Google, what's a 14er came back to on the text message and said, yes, I was completely on. I didn't know this at all. I just assumed. And we did a couple of 14ers in Colorado and she loved it. And I loved it. And we had great time hanging out with each other. And we did some more climbing and, and this isn't technical climbing. It's just climbing at altitude. And she set up this women's, we call it she summits. And 
Yeah, the first one was last September and we had nine women who joined us in Breckenridge, Colorado. And we climbed to one of the 14ers in Colorado. Again, not technical, but it is over 14,000 feet. And these women didn't know what a 14er was, didn't think they could ever do something like this, hadn't even thought about doing something like this. And we spent a weekend together and it was the most bonding experience and different too. I've climbed with a lot of men and once some men, they'll get to the top of the summit, tag it, and then they want to go back down and have a beer, for example. Well, the women are different where we, we waited for one another and we celebrated and it was a real moment. It was different. It, was, it wasn't better. It was just different. We are going to run the She Summits again, and we have three weekends booked in September where there's that many women who have heard about it and are interested in trying a 14er. And I'm just so proud of that the women are putting some trust in us and, and want to try something new. They're willing to take that leap of faith. And I'm, I'm really proud and incredible that, I mean, it was Erin's idea to do this. And I'm just, I'm really happy that we're introducing, I don't know, there'll be about 40 women maybe on these, between these three weekends who are going to be introduced to a 14er. How fantastic, right? That is fantastic. That is amazing. And you mentioned something that for our listeners and for me, in fact, when you say technical, I'm assuming you mean you don't have any special equipment, like you're not using ropes and things like that. Is that what you mean? Uh, <laughs> see, in my mind, you already know what I'm talking about. I forgot. <laughs> technical, yeah. So when, you know, at Everest, where you have the big boots, our crampons, the spikes on the bottom of our boots, uh, we have a harness and ropes and ascenders, like d- devices to get us up. On the 14ers that are not technical, it is a trail that where it's, we just need hiking poles and hiking boots. So yeah, there's a difference. Okay. And then I can come along then. You are more than welcome, Vince, anytime. I would love that. I'd love that. So let's have a little bit more fun then. We'll talk more about hiking and 14ers, but I have a favorite question that I love to ask and you're hosting a dinner party and this amazing dinner party can be anywhere in the world. It might be on the top of one of these 14ers or a larger mountain that you've climbed, but you get to host this dinner party with three amazing guests. And you can invite any guests from the present or the past to this amazing party. Whom would you invite and why? I'm thinking. So I have different sides to me, like we all do. I have the family side, climbing, business, and my latest, which is activism. So can I have more than three guests? I'll go quick. We could have more than three guests. Let's go. Okay. Parents, because family's first. And my dad's super sociable. My mom knows how to cook and bake, which I don't have that talent. So they're a shoe-in. Okay. They're part of the host party. How's that? Okay, sure. All right. So then my first guest would be Ed Visters. And he, so that's my climbing side, right? So he's the first American to climb all 8,000 meter peaks without oxygen. I think I have a lot of interesting stories about climbing, like bizarre cl- stories. I'm sure his would blow any dinner party away. So Ed's on my list. Ed, give me his name again. Visters. Ed Bisters. Okay. My next guest, this is my activist self, is Ingrid Newkirk, and she's the president of PETA. I had a life-changing dinner last year that set me on a path to discovering how we treat animals in our food industry, fashion, entertainment, laboratory. So I've committed to being a better person to animals. So this dinner is going to be vegan, and Ingrid's coming along. And then my business self, Elon Musk. I like how he's changing the world. He's not afraid to try new things, which I admire. And he's successful, but also controversial, which I think is cool. And I want to ride in his spaceship. 
Of course, you have to go to space after all these mountains. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he is also pushing the edges. It's absolutely amazing. And of course, I'm going to come along for at least a glass of wine. So what are we serving? Oh, I thought that was a given. Yeah. Is it red or is it white? What am I bringing along? It's a red. <laughs> okay. Very good. Awesome. Well, Louise, you have been absolutely amazing and so much fun to be with today. For our listeners, any parting words of advice to how they might achieve their greatest results? We're all on a journey to some version of our summit. It's inviting new people, experiences, and emotions into our lives. The rest will follow, and it could be really, really good. And accept change, adaptive change mindset, and who knows what can enter in your life. It could be really, really fantastic, like Everest. So good. So good. Louise, thank you so much for being an amazing guest on Ultimate Guide to Partnering. Thank you, Vince. It's been a pleasure, truly. As with each of my episodes, I appreciate your support. Please subscribe on your favorite platform, like, comment, tell your friends about Ultimate Guide to Partnering and where they can find us. And I'd love your feedback. Please like the podcast and provide comments or reach out to me at Vince Menzion on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can also like and follow Ultimate Guide to Partnering on our Facebook page. Or drop me a line at vincem at ultimate-partnerships.com. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by PartnerTap, the partner ecosystem platform most trusted by enterprise. Drive more revenue with your partners and learn more at partnertap.com. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Ultimate Guide to Partnering with your host, Vince Minzione. Online at ultimateguidetopartnering.com and facebook.com slash ultimateguidetopartnering. We'll catch you next time on The Ultimate Guide to Partnering.